Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast, where every week we post sermons from our lead pastor, Rick Shule, and guest preachers, as well as other content from church members and staff. We hope you hear something that resonates with your soul this week. Uh, I got a question we'll start things out with. Uh, I don't know how this is going to go, but I have a hunch. Raise your hand if you were ever told growing up that men have one less rib than women. You guys ever heard this crazy story? It's not true. I'm sorry if I'm destroying your faith right now, but it's not true. I grew up being told, and so some of you guys that didn't raise your hands, I knew that you're raised in good Methodist households. Um, But there was this strange story that I heard, a rumor that men had one less rib than women because of the Adam and Eve story. As if when you lose a body part, your next child also doesn't have that body part. That's wild. That's crazy. But this rumor kind of propagated throughout the church as a way of protecting the story, proving that it is true that things happened just this way. And over the last several weeks, I've been trying to make the point that we, as Western scientific people, we keep coming to the Bible asking what really happened. And the Bible has no interest in that question. The Bible is not a scientific textbook about how the world began. The Bible is this beautiful act of worship that tells us the relationship between the creator of all things and all creation, and you, and me. The Bible is not interested in telling you exactly how it happened. But for so long, many Christians have tried to say, this book says just one thing, and it says it perfectly, and this book never disagrees with it. This book never has any inconsistencies. Anybody who thinks the Bible doesn't have any inconsistencies hasn't read past the first chapter, (laughs) right? Ginny today read us out of chapter 2, and right out of the gate, God says, before there were any plants, before there was any rain, God says, we need humans to take care of the earth. What do you do in chapter 2? You've got the whole thing out of order. In chapter 1, we hear that animals and rains and vegetation came before humans. Chapter 2 says, ah, no, we're going to give you a different view. And the weird thing is, the Bible doesn't seem particularly bothered by this. It doesn't seem bothered that there are multiple voices, multiple views, multiple perspectives in the Bible. In fact, I would be willing to say that all these different perspectives, different viewpoints that the Bible offers, all these different voices, is a feature of the Bible and not a problem of the Bible. It's why we have four Gospels. It's why we have two creation narratives. It's why we have two histories of Israel. First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings give one history. First and Second Chronicles give another history. We have three different wisdom traditions in Job, Proverbs, and Ezekiel who all tackle the problem of why do the righteous seem to fail and the wicked seem to prosper. And all three of them have three different answers. The Bible is this beautiful book 
full of diverse voices, diverse viewpoints, all trying to tackle at these questions about God. And the ancient people that brought the Bible together, they said it's all good. They saw the inconsistencies, the places where the Bible disagrees with itself, and they say, this is all breathed by God. The diversity of viewpoints is a feature, not a bug or a problem, not a problem that atheists try to point out or a problem that fundamentalists try to ignore, but the diversity of perspectives in the Bible is a beautiful feature of the Bible. I think it's a beautiful feature of the church. I think Methodists, we've said this from the get-go. John Wesley, the founder, said, though we may not think alike, may we not love alike. We hold to the views that in things essential, unity. In things non-essential, liberty. But in all things, love. Diversity of opinions and viewpoints, I think, is a feature of the people of God. It's how we grow. It's how we gets closer to the truth. I think it's a feature of the Bible, not a problem. I think it's a feature of the church, not a problem. I'm even naive enough to think that it's a feature of the United States and not a problem. Diverse viewpoints. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the Bible. The Bible, as I've said, is this woven piece. This, I've said that it's like a patchwork quilt. All these pieces of Scripture from different time periods and different peoples being woven together and edited into the Holy Scriptures. And this is kind of a silly analogy, but it's the one that I've got in my head right now. Um, this summer, I bought a pair of shorts that I really like, <laughs> and I snagged the side of it on a nail soon after I bought it. And these were kind of like this gray color shorts, and I said, Joanna, help. I've got this hole. Will you repair my shorts? And she said, we don't have thread that matches this. Everyone will see the hole. Everyone will see the problem. And I said, then let's do something crazy. The shorts are gray. Let's use bright teal thread, and let's use a different fabric, and let's just show off, show off the hole. And so she said, okay, and she wove it together. And then later on, I was uh, doing some housework in these shorts, and I spilled bleach on them. <laughs> and so, but you know what? It kind of made a cool pattern, and I kind of like it. And so are we going to throw it out? No, we're going to wear it, and we're going to show the patches. We're going to show the different fabrics. We're going to show the history in these shorts. So I'm saying the Bible is like my shorts, and the Bible has these places where things are stitched together. They have these places where there are mistakes and edits and re-edits. It's why when you open your Bible, there's going to be a bunch of footnotes that sometimes say the Hebrew here is uncertain, or some manuscripts say this. The entire chapter of John 7 wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. You know what stories in, in John 7? It's the story of the woman found caught in adultery, where Jesus says, anyone who has never committed a sin, you may throw the first stone. It wasn't in the earliest scriptures. It wasn't in the earliest revisions of John. But all your Bibles put it in there because we have agreed as the church, this is a God-breathed story and it belongs. The church 
the ancient Hebrews, have cared for this text, have brought it to us today, and it's got patches, and it's been woven together, and it's got some bleach spilled onto it. It's a mess, but it's a beautiful mess that God speaks through. And so let's jump into it. In Genesis chapter 2, we have a new creation story. It's actually, scholars say that it's older than the first one, and it was carried through oral tradition until it was written down sometime in the 6th or 7th century BC. And it begins with this idea that God is looking out over the earth, and it is bald, and it needs something. Before we can have vegetation, we need people to care for the vegetation. Isn't that a beautiful notion? Uh, Terence Fretheim writes that in this viewpoint of Scripture, responsible human beings is as important to the development of creation as is the rain. Isn't that a beautiful notion? That creation is dependent upon human beings doing the right thing. Hmm, beautiful. So God sees this problem and God decides to get involved. God comes down to the ground. And remember, in chapter 1, we have a God who just speaks and things happen. But in chapter 2, we have a God that gets his hands dirty. God comes down into the ground. He forms a human being, and he breathes life into the ground. Now, we got to learn a little bit of Hebrew here, all right? The Hebrew word for ground or dirt is adamah. Or, yeah, adamah. It's in your notes. You'll see it. And so God grabs from the adamah and forms an adam. We get the name Adam from it, but our translation chose to just translate it as human being, which is an unfortunate translation because that's not what it says there. God formed from the ground, the Adamah, he formed an Adam, which really should be translated as a groundling or a dirty thing. If I was translating it, I would say a dirty thing. So God takes the dirty thing and he breathes life into it. And he says, hey, dirty thing, you look good. I like you. I'm going to set up a garden for you, and I need you to take care of the garden. But there's a problem. There's a problem. The dirty thing is alone. The dirty thing is alone. And so God says, okay, let's fix this. Let's make this person a partner. Let's make the dirty thing a partner. And then we have the most ridiculous story ever, right? This is not some omniscient, omnipotent God, right? This is a, an omniscient God should see a lonely thing and know right away, oh, this is going to be the perfect partner for you. Instead, we have this kind of ridiculous God who, who has to solve a problem through trial and error. If you're omniscient, you don't need trial and error. What is going on here? God has given this human being choice and free will. And God, in chapter 2 anyway, 
has decided that he's going to respect the dirty things, free will and free choice, and was going to let this person decide for themselves who their partner would be. What a wild God. What a wild vision of God. And so God trots out the animals. And I, of course, can't help myself, but imagine that there's like some Benny Hill theme music going on as all these animals are moving across the way, right? And, and Adam sees the giraffe and like, no, this is not going to work for me. Monkeys, bears, the whole thing. And Adam says, no God, no God, no God. Could you imagine the kind of respect that God has for Adam's free will, that God would trot out all these gifts, all of creation, and Adam has the bravery to say, God, no, that's not it for me. Could you imagine the honesty that it would take to say, no, this is not who I am and this is not what I need? Humanity, Adam, really literally means dirty one. The process of making human beings is a mess. Humans have always been and always are a mess. We are messy, dirty things. Life is a mess. And so often we try to come off like we got it all together. We try to come off like we're happy with what we have or that we're clean. When we invite people over to our homes, we clean up as quick as we can so that the people don't know how we actually live, right? If you invite me over to your house and I see that it's perfectly pristine and clean, it's like, what's wrong with you people? Where do you really live, right? If I want to get to know somebody, I don't want to see your house at its cleanest, right? If I want to get to know you, I want to go through your trash a little bit. I'm not ever going to do that. <laughs> that would be so embarrassing, right? We are so protective of our dirtiness. We don't want to admit that we don't have it all together. This early story in Genesis tells us humans are and have always been a mess. Living is a mess. Finding a partner is a mess or a circus. It is difficult, and it's okay to be a mess. It's okay to not find the right thing. It's okay to have problems that you can't solve. God trots out all these animals in front of Adam, and Adam says, this is, none of this works for me. Can you imagine the honesty that it takes to say this isn't right. But here's the good news in Genesis. It's not just that you are a mess. That's not good news or bad news. That's just news, right? The good news is God gets involved in our mess. This is who our God is. After all the animals have been trotted out in front of the dirty thing, and the dirty thing says, I can't I, none of this works for me. This is not right. God says, okay, let me get involved. So he puts the dirty thing to sleep. And then in a kind of a graphic way, the Bible says that God comes down. He gets involved in the dirt and the blood. He opens up the dirty thing, takes out a rib, closes it back up. It's a visceral, dirty, gross thing. And God is happy to be involved in our dirty, gross, messy lives. And from the mess, 
from the dirt and the blood and the bone, God creates a partner, a friend for the dirty thing. Wake up, Adam, dirty thing. He sees and says, yes, this is it. Thank you, God, for getting involved in my dirty life. God gets involved in the mess of our lives. We can always find God in the messiness of human living. And nowhere is this more demonstrated than in Christmas. You didn't know you were going to get a Christmas sermon, did you? Here it is. God sees the mess of human life and says, count me in. Put me in. And so God chooses to come and to be born. Birth is a beautiful thing, but don't get me wrong, it's not a clean thing at all, right? God chooses to be born in the mess of human life, and not only just to be born as messy as being born is in general, but to be born among the animals in a place where there's no room for them. God says, this is where I am. I am in humanity. I am in the mess. I am with you. This is what God is doing in Jesus Christ the whole time, saying, I belong with you. I am in your mess. You are not far away from me. I get involved. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all put together. Not at all. You're human. Absolutely. And I am with you. I am in the messiness of life. I am in everything that happens. You are not alone. The Gospel of Matthew, those are Jesus' last words. Those are his last words in the Gospel of Matthew. I am with you always. I think what that literally means is I will be with you in the mess of life. You are not too dirty, messy, messed up for me, but I will be there with you in the mess, in the dirt, in the blood, in the bone. You are never alone in whatever you're going through. God is with us in the mess. That's one of the messages I get out of Genesis. Let's take a moment to think about these different stories and, and what this means for us and what this means for you today. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. The first one is, how do you handle these two depictions of God? Right here in the beginning of the book, we have two very different views of God. Genesis 1, we have a view of a transcendent God, a God who is outside time and space just speaking things into existence. Genesis 2, we have an imminent God. We have a God who is in time, rolling with the punches, who has to solve things by trial and error. In, in one, we have God who creates with his voice. In the other, we have God who creates with his hands. In one, we have a God who is outside time and space. In the other, we have a God who is rolling with the punches, who is honoring free will, who, it kind of appears to me, if God is really, truly respectful of Adam's free will, doesn't really know what Adam will choose. We have these two different versions of God. Which one is the right one? The Bible says, yes. But is there a viewpoint that you lean towards more than the other? And why is that? And what can you learn from the viewpoint of God 
the view of God that maybe you're not quite as a part of. Question number two, that was a long first question. Question number two is, what's the mess in your life that you got to confess? Time to stop pretending like we got it all together. Whoever wrote the phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness, never read chapter two. (laughs) Is there some messiness of your life that you have to lift up to God and say, God, here's my mess, and allow God to enter into that mess? And then finally, who do you know that's going through a mess and feels utterly alone? Life is a mess, and it's hard, but to go through it alone is terrible. And so, do we know people that are going through a mess that needs a friend, that needs to know that God is with them, and when you are with them, you are a small reminder that God is present in the mess of life. Let's take a few minutes to think about these things as, uh, as we pray and reflect on the sermon. Thank you for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more about Faith United Methodist Church in Issaquah, Washington, visit our website at www.faithunited.org or call the church office at 425-392-0123. Have a great week.